Hello, everyone, and welcome to season two, episode seven, otherwise known as episode 18th of the Cut the Camera podcast. Nope, not my podcast. That's the Sterniolo Triplets podcast. God damn it. <laughs> I went on for so long about how Cut the Camera sounds dumber than Cut the Cameras because it sounds like you only have one camera. Yet, when I've been talking about my podcast recently, I keep on saying cut the camera. I'm giving them free promo. I'm just making further contributions to the shadow banning of this podcast. Anyway, not off to a great start, but hi, welcome to season two, episode seven, otherwise known as episode 18 of the Cut the Cameras podcast with Will's Camera. Maybe that's where I'm getting confused. Guys, 18 episodes. I know it doesn't sound like too much, but I've been doing this podcast for like six months at this point. Over? Maybe eight months? Took a little break to work on season two, but 18 episodes, that's a lot. If you think about it, this is our, I think, 11th, 12th guest who I'm super excited to have on today. Um, you guys obviously know who it is from the title, but we're going to pretend like you don't, and I'm going to build suspense in a couple minutes. But in typical Cut the Cameras podcast fashion, I'm going to just start with a short little intro to catch up with you guys. It actually hasn't been that long since I did this. I recorded with Volker Ballard two days ago, which was last week's episode. Super nice to have him on, but... I don't have too much to say now, so I'm kind of grasping at straws here. I guess I'll start with the fact that I'm back in the United States, which I've already mentioned in the last episode. I'm here in northern Colorado. Um, and if you haven't been, don't come. <laughs> um, no, it's it's all right. It's a pretty It's pretty slow. I've been getting up pretty early to record these episodes. Right now it's 9 in the morning. I don't know if you consider that early, but I got up at 7.30 for this 9 o'clock episode because I wanted to like make sure my brain was turned on. Like I took a shower, I made some breakfast, I drank some water, try not to drink coffee. Um, yeah, really exciting stuff. I'm sure you guys are glad that <laughs> I'm doing the solo intro. No, but truly my life is so different here. Life in general is so different here. Right off the bat, I was like struck with so many reverse culture shocks, which I actually want to talk about later. But yeah, I mean, just like the way that people go about their day, who they hang out with, how they dress, these car-centric cities, mama, car-centric, car-centric. No, truly, there are so many cars, and you just, like, don't... I feel like there's, like, less of a sense of community with the lack of, like, public transport and pedestrian areas and walking um, and everything so spread out. I have been driving again, which has been nothing short of absolutely terrifying, guys. I I was always kind of fine driving, but I've, I've had a lot of anxiety about driving this trip. I actually, I was with a friend once, and... I, I made like a incorrect turn or I turned on a red light and I wasn't supposed to or something. And, and he was like, what are you doing? And I obviously didn't realize I had done something wrong. I was like, what? Like, what, what do you mean? And he's like, God, you're not supposed to do that. Sometimes I forget that like you just disappear to another continent for seven, eight months and then pop back here and he was driving, you know, that mixed with homosexuality is just a really bad combination that curates a really poor driver. Um, so yeah, that's <laughs> that's my driving update. If you see me on the road, get out of the way. In just a couple days now, I'm heading to Chicago, which I'm really excited about. I feel like Chicago is kind of actually a cool U.S. city. Um, and I'm going to see Issa. Who, you guys got to know who Issa is by now. One of my close friends. A guest on the podcast. Um, the episode was called What Living in Europe is Really Like. She's also my future roommate. I'm moving to Berlin with her. But yeah, her sister and um, brother-in-law live in Chicago. We're going to go visit them, which I think is really kind that they're having me. And I am from Chicago area. I was born there, but I really haven't been to the city much. 
So that is just incredibly exciting. Um, I have lots of travels coming after that, but we don't want to get into that now. What I want to get into now is such an interesting person who I have on the podcast today, someone who I've wanted to record with for a while, and I'm glad that it is finally happening here on this day at a ripe 9 a.m., Saturday, July 15th. Please, everyone, welcome to the podcast. One of the coolest people I know, Shayna Klee from the Purple Palace. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. I'm in the middle of moving right now, so it's a little chaotic. It's summer in Paris. Yesterday was the um, the 14th of July. is like our big national holiday. It's the first time that I'm celebrating it as a French person, so that's very exciting. Oh my god, I can't wait to talk more about that in a second. Yeah, how um, are you? I'm, I'm good. I, to- I was just saying on the pod that I'm life's a little slow right now, but I could actually use that. It's been pretty busy, so trying to just enjoy the, the new pace. Yeah. But, but yeah, I can't believe it. Shana just told me she's moving next week and has made time to be here, so I hope you guys are as appreciative as I am. Um, for people who maybe don't know you, Shana, do you want to give like a little elevator pitch who you are if you can even condense it down to like a couple sentences because there's a lot so i am a multimedia artist um and i'm also a musician and i post on youtube and social media i'm I'm an american (laughs) that moved to paris around 10 years ago and i recently just became french so that's with all of the french (sighs) talk culture stuff as well so it's like a big a big world around art and french culture and everything like that so yeah well, f- congratulations. I know how much work that must have been, and I'll, I'll definitely ask you about that in a second, but so cool that you're now a citizen. Thank you so much. It definitely was um, quite a journey to get there, so I'm really excited to finally become French. Yes. Oh, my God. Okay. So, Shana, before we get into all the topics that we have planned for today, I want to do the highs and lows. Have you thought of yours? Do you want to go first? Um, yeah, so I'd say that the high for this week for me is I decided to start a guitar riff challenge on my TikTok and Instagram where I try to learn a new guitar riff every day. And I think it's a really great way to motivate yourself, but also create community around, around what you're doing. And so I've been doing that and that's been really cool to see people get involved and wanting to learn the guitar. Um, as I said, I'm a musician as Mm -hmm. well, so, but I'm new to like the electric guitar so that's been really cool and i'd say like the low is just around this whole moving process things have just been so busy that i feel like i haven't had time to really clear my personal energy for example like i love meditating and working out just to sort of get rid of like the bad energy and i feel like sometimes you know when you have so much stuff so many meetings etc that it can sort of block your energy and so Yeah, I feel like it's been a lot, but I feel that in a sense, um, that is always what happens when you're going through change is that it's a lot of energy at once. And so you just have to find even like 10 minutes to sort of clear your, your head, you know? Totally. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Okay. Let's see. My, my high this week is I just finished booking this like kind of stereotypical Italy and France interrail trip with my cousin even a month from now. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. So we're going to go to a bunch of places. But it was lots of plans, so it's nice just to get excited now. That's my high. My low, I feel like you would understand this. My my external hard drive crashed last week, which is where I have everything my whole life. I mean, YouTube, podcast, legal documents, university, apartment. I mean, I am like 
That's 2,000 gigabytes of storage Wait, out the window. You... I'm going to try and get it repaired. You can, um, there's also like a few programs. This happened to me before. And um, there's some programs where you can try to get your files back from, yeah, like uh -huh. there's a bunch of, I've I tried it before, but it's never going to be like the same quality of video you've had in the past. It, I mean, it's, it's just like, everyone's gone through that when you do like social media, like losing a video is the worst feeling in the fucking world. Right? Oh my god. I'm really sorry. That I feel like it was so dumb. Thank you. I know, it's just like, one day it worked and the next it just stopped and i was like why didn't i put these in two locations like ugh, i have so many hard drives just sitting around but yeah it's always a moment for reflection i guess i learned my lesson and hopefully nothing is too irreplaceable on there i'm gonna just have to download all my youtube videos one by one. Oh my god ugh. oh i do not say no. i don't have my youtube videos on anything else like i i just have it on youtube really yeah i don't know i probably should but i guess it's just like I don't know, I run out of space on my hard drive and then I just end up deleting it. It's not good, but yeah. I'm not yeah, I feel like the videos, though, the final projects are fine to exist on YouTube. It's more so like footage or any kind of behind the scenes stuff you want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to quickly go back to your, your high with the guitar riffs, I feel like that's such a cool thing, especially that I've seen as like a common theme for your public presence. You have a lot of like community-based projects that you initiate. I think that that's really unique. I don't see much of that on the internet. I remember you did like an interactive, or what was it? A, a group theater? You asked your followers to submit like a theater piece. Yeah, during um, COVID, I asked people to submit basically videos of themselves performing this monologue that I actually wrote from just questions that I'd write in my Instagram stories. Like I'd ask what was like the mm -hmm. worst line from a breakup and then the responses are always so interesting that i'm like i'd love to do something with that and i come from um an arts background i studied fine art and performance and i just think it's so interesting to you know this whole community aspect that hasn't like been tapped into and also i know that there's a lot of people living in places where they don't necessarily have access to art or community in general and so that was something that I just started for fun. And then I've, it's just been such a big inspiration to me and even more interesting than like my art that I started just for me, you know? And, and so I've been loving yeah. doing that. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, both of those things are such cool ways to connect with your audience. And if you, any of you guys are into art and aren't already following Shayna, that's your sign. Like, <laughs> on that. <laughs> <laughs> so i wanted to talk to you because we originally had this recording date set about a month ago but it you were in thailand for a month yeah and the wi-fi wasn't strong enough oh my god i feel like the wi-fi is not even strong enough in paris i feel like the wi-fi is barely always an issue. <laughs> it's always like hang on by a thread it's never good it's just enough yeah but, um, i wanted to ask you about your time there um what was like your reason for going? What what initially sparked that idea? Well, I love traveling and I mm -hmm. typically would love to travel alone doing art residencies. For example, last year I went to oh, Iceland wow. and I went alone, but there was like a community sort of waiting there. And I think it's a really great way to visit a new place, but also, you know, create a project, etc. And this time I wanted to go to someplace tropical like Thailand or, you know, I've always been interested in East Asia, but I've never been, but there's not really a lot of art residencies. So I told myself, I'm going to create my own artistic residency and I'm going to do music and all this stuff and, um, and have it like be self-led. 
Um, uh -huh. there was tons of issues, for example, um, I just didn't keep in mind the fact that like, I'm basically in this environment with like tons of bugs and no like, you know, nature noises. Mm -hmm. So it was really hard to record anything. Um, so basically yeah. it was sort of turned into almost like a forced vacation instead of a, a residency. But I think that's, that was ultimately good for me because I am somebody that I just love working towards projects and goals. And I think that sometimes, you know, good luck comes disguised as bad luck, essentially, like I needed a break, mm -hmm. but I would never have taken it myself. And so just having these sort of limits, um, forced me to do that, you know? And so now back in Paris, I'm like, yeah, let's go. Like, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Already like five minutes in and you're so insightful, already learning. Um, <laughs> But you mentioned you're back in Paris. I'm glad you I'm glad you had a nice like some time off. You were still able, I think, to create YouTube content and stuff for your social platforms, right? Yeah, I well, basically the, the same thing happened in Iceland where it's like I can film a video, but it will take like three full days for it to upload on the Internet over there. <laughs> right. So, right. yeah, it's a bit I think it always when you travel and you're doing social media, that's a bit All of right. an issue. But hello. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so now you're back in Paris, you're, you're getting ready to move out, but I wanted to go way back in the timeline. You said earlier, you came to Paris 10 years ago. Yes. Long time. It's a decade. Yeah, a decade. You know. <laughs> uh, and okay, I did, I did a little bit of research from what I know and correct me if I'm wrong, but you initially came to Paris as an au pair. Exactly. Yes. So how how did that get set up? Was it you who was drawn to Paris and figured that out? Or was there an opportunity presented to you? Um, so basically what ended up happening was I had already started um, some university and I had gotten an associate's degree. Um, but then after that, uh -huh. I wanted to take a sort of gap year somewhere. And I had a friend in Florida, which is where I'm from, who had been an au pair in Germany. And for those who don't know, an au pair is basically a nanny but it's not just a nanny you also are getting like a cultural exchange and it's really a pretty sweet mm -hmm. setup because essentially so cool yeah. yeah like you're getting a free apartment and you're not paid as much as if you were a full-time employee but it's just a nice way to sort of ease into the culture so anyway when i when i heard about her doing this in germany i was like oh i would love to do that in france and i found this family um they were offering my own apartment it was just one kid and you know, it was so funny because my sister, <laughs> my sister was like, I literally didn't think that you were going to actually go until you were at the airport leaving because it was such like this random oh. thing to do from like, yeah. yeah, from like this girl from Florida to just be like, I'm going to move to France. Um, but I, mm -hmm. think, I feel like I've always been pretty resourceful in the sense of like, when I want to do something, I'll figure out like the loopholes or the way to do that thing. Um, I've always hated sort of just like following the rules. I have a really big problem with authority. I always have. And so just following, <laughs> just following a system that's like cut out for me. I've, I've just always wanted to find like my own way of doing things. And essentially growing up, we've always just been taught that there's one, one way of doing things. And I just always wanted to challenge that. And so once I learned, Absolutely. I learned about like traveling and like all these different ways of essentially living your life, I think it just gave me so much confidence because no one told me like, you should be an au pair. I just sort of figured it out. And I think every time you do something and trust your instincts like that, you gain confidence, you know? I don't know if you've had experiences That's, like that, yeah. but where you just did something and you're like, oh, like no one told me to do this and I did it. And it, you're just a self-starter. Like, have you had that personally? 
You know, I don't think to the same scale. I was just about to say that you, I'm so impressed to hear that because my experience moving abroad for the first time, I also grew up in Colorado for my pretty much my whole life until my family moved to Germany when I was 14. And like, I, I was pretty opposed to that idea until I got there and I struggled to adapt at first. And it was really my family acting as like the catalyst for change. It was not self-led in any way. So I think hearing that you come from Florida and only a few years later you were making that decision on your own is really commendable. I'm wondering what like what were your peers or like people from your hometown's reaction when hearing that news because I imagine that's different than what anyone else was doing at that time that you knew. I think that they were all sort of like wow, Paris, you know, and Mm-hmm. And then there was this other side of like, but what are you going to do there? Is it going to be dangerous? Like to go by yourself? You know what I mean? Um, yeah. 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 I just remember going to the airport and wearing like 10 layers of dresses because I could only afford to bring like one small suitcase, but I wanted to bring more clothes. So I just like when they, when my host family came and picked me up from the airport, I looked insane. Like I was ridiculous. Like, <laughs> like, wow, you look bigger yeah. than in the photos because all these dresses, I look all popped up. Um, oh my yeah. god! I feel like so many people when you're when you're grown up in kind of a consistent environment and you're not really exposed to much inconsistency or change. Um, it's hard to understand why someone would aspire to have such a big life change, but I'm really grateful that I had that opportunity so early in my childhood so that now when I'm starting kind of my own life, my own chapter, I have the confidence and security to be like, oh, of course I can do this. Of course I can move to Berlin. Of course I can study abroad. Of course, you know, all, all these things that maybe I wouldn't have considered had I just grown up here my whole life. Even for example, like you you having this podcast it's a very self-starting thing to do you know what i mean like you're actually deciding to do that and that's actually very impressive to me too you're just like wow i'm just gonna start this podcast you contacted me like we never talked before so it's it's actually like really inspiring as well (laughs) thank you well it's actually so it's really really fun for me to have people on i mean so there's so many interesting people and i feel like this is such a good excuse to be able just to like chat for an hour because what else would I say hey do you want to call yeah exactly (laughs) oh my god you know so it's really like mutually beneficial because of course it like helps my public presence and this cool collaborative work but it also is just like I've made friends from here and when I was in Berlin recently I, I met up with people who I met through having them on the podcast and it's just a really fun way to connect and learn about people everyone's so interesting you're so interesting oh thank you (laughs) I also think like and I always tell people this I have so many friends who want to start a YouTube channel or you know want to be more present online but they're always like afraid of what other people are going to say or how they're going to look but I honestly think for anyone just starting out in the world in general it's so important I think to have your own little piece of the internet you know what I mean like to have your thing that's yours Because even, for example, yeah. on YouTube, even as I'm growing and I'm going in different directions, for example, I'm, you know, I'm doing music now and then I'm also, you know, put out like a journal line because I um, paint and so I wanted to make like really beautiful journals. You know, social media mm-hmm. is also a way of sharing your projects, you know what I mean? Not just like, oh, like, let me vlog yeah. myself, but also you are essentially having your own platform for whatever you want. And so I think that it's super important Mm -hmm. to have that. It's giving you power, basically, in a world that wants to just have us working for everybody else, you know? 
Absolutely. So, so well said. Yeah. I think it's such a cool way. If you allow yourself to be authentic, you're, you're turning your life into like art and other people can appreciate it. I think it's so, I'm so glad to live in this, this part of the world. <laughs> that makes sense this time. Yeah. Um, back to, back to living in Paris and moving from Florida, which is crazy. I didn't realize you were from Florida. I knew you're from the States, but, um, I was wondering how after 10 years in Paris, has that affected your connection with your home country, your home state, your hometown? I feel like every time I go back to visit my parents or my sister and my brother, I always have this feeling like I'm going to go back and everything's going to be like frozen in time with how I left it. Um, but it is strange. I just feel like the only thing I can really say about like my connection to Florida when I go back is just this strange feeling of being surprised that things aren't the exact same as when I left it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I actually, everything kind of becomes like a novelty. For example, like going to the 7-Eleven or going to Walmart, or I see sort of more <laughs> through the eyes of a European and I get what they, yes, yeah. what they think or like why some, for example, I used to always get asked about like the high school experience in the U.S. And it wasn't until like mm-hmm. I lived here and I started learning more about like the French high school experience that I realized why it's so interesting to them you know what i mean and so i think just having more perspective i think about um the u.s and what they see on tv shows etc has been quite interesting for me i think viewing your own uh, original like culture the culture you grew up in from a like objectively or from a third person perspective is such a strange experience that reverse culture shock that people talk about it's so yeah i've only been in europe for four years by now this is my fifth year but um I have come back to the States in like six to eight month increments and every single time there's just more and more. Right from getting back to the airport, I'm like, oh my God, people are loud here. Oh my God, these cities are so <laughs> car-centric. Oh my God, this is, this is what people wear out. Um, I remember um, yeah, on, I went hitchhiking once. This was years ago. This was like nine years ago. <laughs> I went hitchhiking from Amsterdam to Berlin and the guy that picked me and oh my, my boyfriend at the time up, um, he was asking me about like, is prom in the u.s like actually like this big deal like is there really like a queen and this and that and i was like yeah and so he calls his wife and puts her on speakerphone and he's like honey it really is like that and it's like this really it was like a moment for <laughs> me where I was so like, strange. Wow. yeah i feel like yeah that's, that's sometimes how i feel in other countries though where you're so fascinated by something that to, to the locals feels so mundane but it goes both ways yeah yeah well as we as you mentioned earlier you are now a French citizen, yeah. which is so huge. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Are you are you French now or are you French American? I'm I'm French and I still have I guess I'm French American because I've kept the um, American citizenship, which is really nice because I have Great. I have some yeah. friends who want to become French but they can't because their home country doesn't let them have two um mm-hmm. nationalities. So yeah, it feels mm-hmm. really nice because I have lived in France for over a third of my life. And so it's, and I pay taxes here and I, I really feel like I've integrated into the culture. And so actually having that validation, having like the passport is so, right. it feels so big to me. Like I actually had a French friend the other day ask me like, does that change anything for you? And I'm like, it changes everything because it's, it's just really sort of um, setting in stone my integration into this country, you know, and I'm not just like, you know, this American, I'm actually paying, that's living here, I it's actually perfect, yeah. you know, and so for me, it's a really big deal. 
That is a huge deal. And it, it's as it should be, truly. I mean, you spent, like you said, 10 years of your life, you're working there, you're, you're based there. This is now your, like, your other home. So yeah, I want to hear from you what, what the process of that was. How long did that take and what kind of things were on the requirements? Oh my gosh. It took, it took at least two years, I'd say from start to finish, because the wow. thing is, is every time they ask for a paper, there is like an expiration date on the paper. Like it's three months and for this one paper that you need to show. And it takes a little while to get this paper. And basically they just want to make mm -hmm. sure that, that when it comes down to it, they want to make sure that you're paying taxes and you're not going to be a liability to the French system because the French, um, you know, healthcare and just in general is, has a really great social system. So a lot of people want to move here and take advantage of that. And so they just want to assure that you're actually going to add to the culture and add to the country and not just, you know, suck it dry of all of its resources. Um, so uh -huh. they, you know, I had to show that I, studied here for five years, um, that I've paid my taxes for three years, that I live here, that I have French friends, that I can speak French fluently. We actually had to do this interview mm -hmm. as well. Um, in the interview, they grilled me on like, you know, all of like French politics. There was like over a oh hundred questions to memorize, which was really hard because in the end, they only ask you around like 15 questions, but you just have to sort yeah, of memorize everything. And, um, I have to say why you want to become French and, um, and yeah, it's a, it's a really long process. And I don't think that French people even realize how difficult it is because I was with my friend practicing the questions and he was like, I literally could answer none of these. <laughs> right. That's how I feel like that's how it is. I could not apply for us citizenship. Are you kidding me? I wouldn't get it. Oh my gosh. Absolutely not. Well, I think it's, it's beyond impressive. And it, I think going through that process is enough of a reason for, for getting the citizenship, you know, like at that point, it's like, you better give it to you. So congratulations. I'm so glad that you have that now. I really yeah. appreciate it. Thank you. And I also <laughs> feel like, I feel like by the time you get it, I, it's kind of like, um, when you're, you're learning a new language at first, when you're learning that language, you're so proud to like start learning this language that you always want to show everyone like that you know this language but once you <laughs> once you've been actually practicing it for like 10 years you're like you don't even care that you're bilingual anymore like it's not even a big deal I think, right i think it's like by the time i got french citizenship i was like i've honestly been through the ringer living here for so long that it's like i deserve it you know what i mean like, <laughs> oh god i'm still definitely in my like honeymoon phase with the german language whenever i land in a german-speaking country i am i'm going to the first kiosk i'm good <laughs> i don't care what it is I'm talking with the person. I'm asking them how their day is. Oh my I god! Love it. Germans are really hard. German. I'm still. I'm. I'm probably not where you are with French because I still have a little bit just growing vocabulary. But I think that the German language is pretty cool based on like the structure. I think it fosters a lot of like deeper conversations. My German friends, my German speaking friends, are like some of the coolest people I know. So. Oh yeah. It's an exciting culture to get to kind of be a part of. So living in Berlin um, must be so cool. Like you must be going to like all these raves and. Wearing two tops. <laughs> I can't wait for all of the like little subcultures in Berlin. I feel like there's you can have any experience you want in that city as wholesome or as hardcore as as you please. And oh, I'm living with one of my best friends actually, um, who I met in the Netherlands, and she is just she's so game for everything that it's going to be a good energy to have like in my in my life. Yeah, that's so cool. And now you're um, gonna live in your on your on your own. Yeah, if you ever want to visit Berlin, I got my my spaceship apartment. I, I said for for real, we should when I get my new apartment, we should definitely do like a house swap. 
for sure. I would love that. Oh my god, I would. I've always wanted to spend some time in Paris. I was thinking about going there after Berlin, actually, and that would be such a cool. That'd be amazing. Cool thing to do. Yeah. Uh, I feel like sometimes I run into the um the issue that I don't have enough to ask, or I'm kind of trying to make sure the episode's interesting. And with you, I. It's, it was so hard for me to actually reduce my questions. Oh. There's so much I want to talk to you about. Like make uh, my day. <laughs> <laughs> truly, you do you do so much and you do it so well. And there's so many like like I feel like I have it figured out, and then I'm like, oh no, she's also doing this. So I want to talk about your. I, I labeled the topic as creativity because from like painting, prints, video making, music, poetry, performance art, like you truly do so much. So I'm gonna try my best to like compartmentalize and and get a question out but how would you like describe your personal art style I would say that I'm most interested in storytelling I think for a long time especially when I first started out I was really I think like a lot of people that get into art you're you sort of try to attach yourself to a certain aesthetic for example Mm -hmm. my aesthetic I guess as a painter or a sculptor would be really like pastel colors and crazy textures like plaster and Mm -hmm. and that was really interesting to me and I think now um as I've been doing this for a little while sort of the purpose behind things have become more important is and also why I've been gravitating more towards um music because I think writing has taken more of a place and also performing and actually connecting to people um in the Mm -hmm. in in for performance and um I think that, for example, with painting and art, the visual art, I think that over the years I've realized there's a sort of snobism to it that I don't really love, for example, like with the galleries and how that whole system works. And what I love about like um, more mainstream art, for example, creating music is it's a lot more accessible um, to everybody and you don't have to physically go to a gallery to see the pieces and so I think that as I continue to grow I'm going to keep you know making sculptures and sort of integrating things in like a 360 degree way but I also realize that for me what's interesting is what's most challenging and for the moment that's music so mm-hmm. yeah I'd say right now I'm Prince I'm you know for the most part I'm working on on creating music with some friends and um and also you know designing journals i think for me as well i get quite bored of things like i need to sort of have a lot of different mediums because i think if you get blocked with one thing it's really nice to be able to be like okay i'm gonna set this down for a second and go play the guitar for a little while or go paint i think that i've really learned um as well not to just define myself or put myself inside of a box but rather like it's it's actually powerful to be able to do a ton of different things which is something that society tries to to tell us not to do um but for me it's been the opposite it's been so much i feel so much more free being able to touch every touch everything you know yeah and you've done such a great job of that i feel like you're someone who is just like like art like flows out of you oh my god um, thank you so much no, of course. I mean, I, I mean it. And uh, for you guys listening, of course, everything everything you do will be linked below. It's going to be a long list. So you should go and check it check it all out. Um, well, you were talking about your use of color, which I actually wanted to comment on because you probably don't know. I'm I'm colorblind. Oh. Um, which is weird. And but I so usually a lot to me looks pretty dull, especially artwork. But when I came across your stuff, I was like, oh my god, this is like one of the first times I've experienced like really vibrant 
like artwork. It was really cool to see. God, so, that makes me so yeah. happy. <laughs> I just thought it was so cool. I didn't know if it was just my eyes like screwing things up or like not seeing it correctly, but yeah, definitely like vibrant and like the energy and of course like your use of colors. I'm literally so honored. I think color is a really great way to also like draw people in. And then it's sort of, you know, like the outside layer of things. And then once they get close, I think it's quite interesting to sort of, you know, turn that in the other direction. For example, I think a lot of my work looks really like sugary and um, yeah, you want to taste or touch. And then oftentimes sort of like the message behind it can be quite dark. Or I think that's what I love about mm -hmm. pop music so much, too, is like it can seem like super like you know high beat and all that mm -hmm. but then when you actually listen to the lyrics you're like oh like this is actually a quite dark song <laughs> like, yeah yeah I that's quite fun. I, sure. love, I love contrasts i think um would you also consider your kind of physical appearance and expression um part of your art like the way you dress and present yourself honestly it depends on the days because there's some days okay. where i'm like i'm like oh yeah like this outfit is so me and then there's other days you just wake up and i'm like i literally i'm just gonna wear these pajamas for like three days so i think like if i'm really yeah. if i'm really looking to express myself and i make mm -hmm. that choice that day then yes but then other times i'm like this is just like i'm just living in this body and there's not you know what i mean just i'm sure you probably feel the same like there's some days you really want to like go hard and like your looks and all that and there's other times where you're just like yeah <laughs> i think i do feel the same but i think what's admirable about how you go about it versus how I and I would argue I think a lot of people go about it is I think you allow yourself to like fully express what you're trying to express and I think for me sometimes I also hold myself back and it's like why not why don't we like decorate ourselves why are we all trying to look the same more or less <laughs> there's not much versatility so I think I wonder what it's like for you having that like I'd say non-basic um, self-expression in Paris. Well, this actually just made my day that you said that because recently when I was leaving Thailand, so in Thailand it was really hot, so I wasn't like wearing my crazy makeup looks or anything like that because it was just mm -hmm. like gonna melt off anyway. But I met, <laughs> yeah. I met my Airbnb host on the last day very br briefly just to give him back the keys and um, you know do like that sort of like closing out ordeal. And yeah, then strangely, yeah. he, he like asked what I do. And I said, I did YouTube. And he said, oh, I would, I'll go watch your videos. And when I came back to Paris, I got like this long, really weird message from him telling me that he preferred how I looked without makeup and how when he watched my videos, it was so weird to see me with all this makeup on. And I was like, it's just so annoying to me that people think that they have anything to do with your self-expression whatsoever or like they have a say in it. Yeah. And I think that's how... That's how I feel, like, just in general, like, in no matter what city I'm in, whether that's Paris or anything, like, I'm going to go out and wear what I want. And actually, I've had a lot of really good feedback in Paris. Like, I'll have people come up to me and be like, oh, I love your shoes. And it's a really great conversation starter. Um, mm -hmm. So, whereas, like, in Florida, everyone dresses really crazy in Florida. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I, I actually saw that message on your Instagram story, and I was just, I, like, ugh. It... it I feel like there's so much to unpack there and so much wrong with it where it it's gross and misogynistic, but it also makes me feel bad for people who move through life that way where it's like, really? Like you're, you're bothered by someone else's like vibrant expression. Like if you can, if you can get there with yourself where you're, I, I hate to say like comfortable enough, but yeah, you still have to deal with all that bullshit. So it does take a bit of confidence. I think no one should 
have any input and if anything that should be admirable and I think that it definitely is I think it's so cool and it's inspiring I'm sure to me and anyone else who sees your stuff where it's like look what we could be doing well it's sort of like what we were talking about before I found my train of thought <laughs> it was sort of like, <laughs> it's, it's like it's like what we were talking about before with authority like I just it's for me yeah, it wasn't yeah. it's just more about like the whole power thing like people always trying to just in general when you're somebody that goes outside of the box tell you what you should or should not be doing how you should or should not look because what's comfortable for them and mm-hmm. I think that's why I I just have such an issue with people in power positions or just in general telling me how to be because I'm like literally my existence doesn't have anything to do with you you know what I mean exactly yeah I I feel the same I think I'm in the past year or so is the first time where I've really started to unpack similar thoughts um and it's actually been quite anxiety like inducing because I think I've realized how much my life and many people's lives are conditioned by things that we just grow up thinking are normal or standard and it's like wow there's in in so many ways people are living so parallel, especially in like Western societies where it's like, we're so far from the initial purpose or whatever reason humans were put on this planet. And it's, it's weird to think about how we've kind of gone about like, like creating false meaning. And it's so, it's just, I still can't really um, vocalize it to the best ability because my thoughts are just like a clusterfuck of like anxiety and existential type stuff. But it's, uh, it's, it's really weird and disheartening to realize that sometimes absolutely and I think I think something that I've been trying to work through is like realizing that it's not my responsibility to explain to those people like how what their behavior how their behavior is wrong basically like there's this really beautiful expression that's like a bee making honey isn't going to waste its time explaining to a fly why it's making honey you know what I mean and I yeah oftentimes I'm like oh like I like, when that guy wrote me that message, I wanted to write him and be like, I do whatever I want. Like, why? You know what I mean? But then I'm like, you don't have to explain yourself to anybody and you can just let it go. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. I think that alone, those couple of words are, if you guys can take away something from this episode, I think that that's a cool, I think it's so true. And it's easier said than done, but. Because, like, the people as well, what I've realized, for example, when I first started making YouTube videos, people around me, um, at the time I was, um, I was in school and um, I think that at first I would get weird reactions from people, but then actually in reality, once things start working, those people respect what you're doing. And so it's like, I think, Mm -hmm. I think that for a lot of people who are afraid to express themselves, realize that you're not doing social media for anybody else, but you and your dreams, you know what I mean? Or just in general, Uh you're, You know, everything that you do in life is for you and your dreams. And um, we have to, like, have blinders on, I think, for our end goal, you know? Totally. Yeah, that's such a good point about how people really don't, for the majority, don't respect what you're doing until you have some sort of status. Oh, it's so annoying, isn't it? Did that happen to uh, you a little bit? Um, I feel like it used to a lot more before I moved. I've had, I've, I'm pretty lucky with the relationships I have in my life. I'm pretty good at tuning people out. Yeah. But I have really, really great Great relationships. Um, But when I lived here, absolutely. And I think a lot of it is also internal. I was actually thinking about this the other day where I have, I have uh, an okay platform on YouTube, but at 20,000 people is not, not huge. Definitely. Um, I was thinking about like, oh, it's still not growing, but 
the conclusion after a lot of thoughts um, where it was that I'm making the videos for me. Like I enjoy it and it's something I do. So the fact that anyone is also enjoying it or finding meaning in it is really cool. 20,000 people is a lot of people. So yeah, absolutely. It's something that I have to remind myself that. And yeah. also, I think it's really interesting that you're doing other projects, too. It's not like you're just, like, stuck on YouTube. You're also, like, doing this podcast. And I think that you're moving in a, in, in a sort of um, flow that's quite interesting, you know? Like, they can't, you. They yeah, can't hear the... what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm doing hand movements <laughs> yeah. of, like, water. It's very visual. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I think that that's the, one of the coolest things about, I guess, working um, in this... Uh, I hate when people in this industry, in this field, I guess. Um, but I think that so many people can expand just from one platform. You can grow somewhere and then expand that and translate it into so many different mediums or projects that people also appreciate. So you really don't need like to be the most famous person in the world to make it work. You just need to have multiple things you're doing that can be sustained and that different people can find different meaning in. And even if, like, for example, like you could have a million subscribers, but then, for example, you could put out a product and no one will buy it. You know what I mean? Like, it's really... De sure. It, it's better to have, like, a hundred really, like, quality people who are following you that actually are, like, ride or die and, like, actually really love you and connect with you than to have, like, a million subscribers and then not one of them will support anything that you actually put out. You know what I mean? So true. So true. Yeah, and, and for me, too, I, I've been thinking about the fact that I've had, like, consistent growth, but not, like, any... There's no slope yet, I guess. Um, I was thinking, like, maybe the, this probably isn't the age or time of my life where I want to experience a bunch of growth if I'm going to. Uh, you know, in the next couple of years, I probably would hope, but I'm excited to, like, start a new chapter and kind of find myself in a new place and grow and change and at 18 I don't think I need to be worrying about you know creating a huge income and providing for that many people like I think it's cool that I have a little little community so thanks guys thanks for the people <laughs> listening glad you're here um to resort back to my notes I, I'm wondering kind of pre YouTube music all of the projects that you're doing now what were your like interests and aspirations when you were growing up so growing up, my dream was to be an actress or a singer. I did a lot of community theater and yeah, I love, I love theater so much. I love the community aspect of it, which sort of plays into what I'm doing now. Like I try to keep everything yeah. in a community and, um, yeah, I would, I really wanted to, um, I started studying theater in, um, in university, but I just, I did do some like film stuff, but I just realized I really don't enjoy that universe of it um and mm -hmm. what i really love about theater was one the community aspect and two creating like the you know set design and everything like that because when you're studying it they have you actually touching at everything um so yeah that's where i basically started out was doing theater um and I also did a lot of singing growing up and have a really musical family and so it's been really cool you know after you know 10 years getting back into music because I kind of let that go in a way and then when I went through a really difficult separation and time in my life I was like okay I really want to get into music again and it's just been like the best thing ever so yeah oh well it I think it translated pretty well I think that you can see that there's a lot of a lot of like care um, that goes into your songs. I personally really do enjoy your, your music. So where do you, where can people find that, right? I listen to Spotify. it on Spotify. But... Yeah, I actually named um, my project the same as my, my YouTube channel because my YouTube channel is like my baby. And I just feel like uh -huh. I always, I just wanted just for it to keep expanding under that name, Purple Palace. So that's the Purple Palace, if you guys don't know. Speaking, I actually want to ask you about that 
one more question yes, beforehand. Um, when, when did you start posting online? When did you start making YouTube videos? Actually, pretty late in the game as far as, like, YouTube goes. I think it was, like, 2019. And I was basically because I was in this French art school and I thought that the environment was really, like, atypical and interesting. I think a lot of people don't get to see what that age of French culture, culture is like. And I wanted to sort of show this sort of alternative culture. And, um, yeah, so I just started vlogging around my school and there was a lot of interest around it. And I just decided to continue it with it as I grew as a person. So I guess that was like so four, cool. is that yeah. four years ago, five years ago? Yeah. That's really not so, not so long ago. Yeah. How did you experience the, the growth? It, honestly, it was really weird because I started posting in February, just like really randomly. And then in June, I was doing um, an internship in set decoration. And one day at my job, I just saw one of my videos like blew up. And <sighs> and then I got like 100,000 subscribers in like one month. And it was really a lot. Wow. It was really weird. Wow. Yeah, that probably is, especially in such a short time to be from to go from like not having an audience to having a substantial audience. It was really, really, it was really weird for me. <laughs> but, all, and and just sort of like the pressure after that to like keep posting. I remember I went to school the next day and a lot of people were talking about it because the video that blew up was like a video of like what the people at my French art school were wearing. So a lot of people were in the video. Oh, okay. A lot of them were like, oh, you have to keep going. And um, I remember one day I was in class and one of my teachers took down the projector and started projecting one of my vlogs in front of the entire class. How did you feel about that? I was fucking mortified because it was like a vlog. Okay, of me good. Okay. It was like a vlog of me and my ex like going to the thrift shop. And it was just like, I was like, what? It wasn't the school vlog? No, he just wanted what? to. I think like he thought, I don't think that he realized it was embarrassing for me to do that. But I think he, yeah. I was everyone, I don't know. I already felt like weird around my, my peers at school so like to do that just made me feel like at school especially I was always like sort of anti-social a little bit like I would just go to my art studio and like shut myself away and like do my art and leave like I would never go to like um the clubs or anything like that because that just wasn't my vibe and I, I'm just a lot um I'm very much an introvert in a lot of ways and so for mm -hmm. that but then like YouTube doing YouTube was totally different because I think people think YouTubers are extroverts, but actually it's the perfect thing Usually for introverts. introverts. Yeah, because it's like, yeah. it's just us in the camera. And so, you know what I mean? <laughs> you and that inanimate object. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, completely. I know it does feel like a little loophole where it's like, I'm just pressing buttons. I'm just making a silly vlog. And then it's like, yeah, it says, uh, you know, thousands of people have seen this, but have they really? How much did they watch? You know, it's crazy. So, I've met a lot. Of, I've met a lot of YouTubers in my life, like that I, that I've followed online, and every single one of them in person are way shyer than they appear on camera. Right. You would think that with like the personality, and uh, you feel comfortable with yourself, I guess, so you kind of can express that. But people who I've met too, I think I'm always kind of surprised right off the bat. Yeah. To oh, meet sorry. people in person that you've been following online, just in general, it's like whoa, you know. I love it. I, I totally get what you mean where like you you're like you're not just pixels on my screen but I love doing it. I'm, I'm so the person who's always is like okay we're in the same country let's figure it out or like let's grab a coffee at least I think it's so fun that's to really good that you do that you do the same stuff that's really yeah. good I just think it's cool yeah um I feel like this is such like a interview question like pretty stereotypical but how did you get the name the purple palace 
So I, okay, this is going to sound like so cheesy, but it's so true. I just one night I had a dream and in the dream, there was this purple palace in the dream and it wasn't said in the dream, but it was just understood that this place existed to hold every single object that I ever made and would welcome anything that I created and was like a very safe space. And so when I created my channel, I wanted that my channel to be the same thing, to just be like a safe space for people to come to and to, to exist without judgment and just to feel, yeah, like this sort of sacred space. And so I thought that was like a really beautiful um, thing. And I wrote a little poem about it. And then I put out a poetry book under the same name. And so I guess it's more of just like an ideology. It became an ideology for me of just, you know, whatever you create, there is a place in the world for that thing. And it's the purple color. Oh, I absolutely love that. Oh my god, I wasn't expecting it to be so deep, but I mean, I, sh I probably should have. Um, oh, that's so cool. I love that. I gotta change Will's camera. That's <laughs> <laughs> covering up my name on the Zoom call. Or you create a story and be like, so, I had this dream about yeah, this camera. Yeah, it came to me in a dream. And in the yeah. camera, I was like... <laughs> right, right. Oh god, yeah, no, um... We'll figure it out. I have time. Uh, so I, I asked you about your reaction to kind of building a community and people looking up to you. But um, in a time now where it's kind of, it's difficult to be like original on the internet with all the people creating different things. Um, what what do you do to maintain your kind of like uniqueness and indivi individuality as an artist? Oh, I honestly feel like you can never really come from a place of wanting to be so like that can never be your initial attention of being like oh i want to be so different i think you just have to sure. instead have the intention of i want to have fun which is essentially like okay. which is essentially like i want to be unique because a lot of people aren't doing things just because they want to have fun and play and and be expressive a lot of people are doing things with fear based mindsets of like oh i i have to act this way because if i don't then i won't get followers or views or this and that but um but once you, I think, make uh, choices from a place of love and not fear, then you actually do become original because I think that's a mindset that takes time to cultivate and makes sure that you're authentic, you know? Yeah. Oh, wow. I swear, sometimes during these episodes, I forget that I'm, like, actively interviewing and I'm just, like, so <laughs> mesmerized by whatever the guest is saying. It's, you're so insightful, truly. I, it's really cool to listen to. I was talking... With my friend Nay, who's also a creator. I don't know. Yeah, I met Nay yeah. when she came to Paris. I did like this little picnic and she came. So yeah, she was talking about that. And she actually kindly filmed an episode with me the week we were supposed to record. So it kind of worked out for the best because I now have both those episodes. Oh, yay. But um, we were talking about you briefly. And she was like, something that Shana's taught me through her content is just like enjoying the process of creating instead of like focusing on an outcome or having it appear a certain way just like appreciating all the different aspects of it. So I think, I think that's a cool thing to keep, for me to keep in mind. One person to the next. However, do you, do you feel like you have a lot of creative stamina or is this something that you need to like work on reproducing? I feel like I have a lot of creative stamina and I think it comes from being open to doing a lot of different types of art. Do you know what I mean? Like for mm -hmm. example, I think I also just let myself play a lot. Like I'll, I went to the store the other day and I just got this pottery thing and this, you know, clay thing. And I just started making pottery. And I think, I think I'm able to keep the energy up 
by not putting pressure on myself. You know what I mean? And I, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's really nice when you can, can sort of transmute energy from one project to another. And I just think that in order to have that, you just have to stop caring what people think. You know what I mean? You just have to keep showing up for yourself every day and, and sort of treat your creative time as sacred time, almost like, you know, you would show up for a job. You know, like just recently mm-hmm. I started getting into with like this guitar challenge. I started getting into TikTok, which was a platform that I before was not into at all because I was like, I hate mm-hmm. the, yeah. I hate how it just seems like these sort of bite sized moments. And whereas like YouTube, you can sort of just like chill and talk and take your time. But what I, what I actually do enjoy about TikTok is sort of the creative aspect of it. And um, so I've been posting every day for like the last uh, few weeks doing this riff challenge and just showing up for myself, I think um, makes others want to show up as well because they can count on you to be there every day. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. And you've, you've done a good job of creating like your own pocket of that app that is so broad. Um, But I think that that goes kind of back to your idea of the purple palace and having a space for anything you want to do. I think that you by doing all these different projects are kind of living proof that, just not, I mean, not um, investing all of yourself or putting pressure on yourself in just one area can be a great way to keep yourself feeling good and avoid burnout. Thank right? you so Is that, much. That yeah, I absolutely. I think that it's so true. Like having a bunch of different avenues and not limiting yourself and not doing something to prove yourself, but just making choices from a place of love and just wanting to, to do things. I think, for example, um, you know, in high school, I really limited myself in a lot of ways. I always tell this story of like one of my best friends was a photographer and I really wanted to try making photos, but that was like her thing. And so I limited myself and wouldn't even allow myself to take photos because I was like, well, that's her thing. And now if there's anything I want to do, I just do it because I'm like, life's too short and no one owns like a medium do you know what i mean and no, yeah absolutely. yeah and everyone always says like yeah but so and so could do a better job at this than me but they're never going to do it the same way as you would yeah yeah better is um objective and relative yeah it's just about resignation i think is that the, is that a word resignation what resonates with you yeah re- resonating resonating yeah oh god so many languages guys I'm i sorry. know no i the last thing i wanted to talk about before i get to the instagram questions um is highlighting your affirmation journals i think there's multiple right you've released a few called i'm so lucky journal i love being sensitive book and the dreams come true journal. Are there more? Am I missing any? Well, so the first one I did was an affirmation workbook, which is called I Love Being Sensitive. And um, it's, okay. re- it's really a workbook for artists um, to get in touch with their creativity, their sensibility. And to it's actually a really fun workbook just to do to sort of get to know yourself better. And I loved making that so much. I designed it from A to Z myself um, that I decided I also wanted to put out some um, affirmation just blank journals for example you know like diary type stuff so i um, created this year um this project to put out six affirmation theme journals um and yeah there's the first one was called dreams come true with this really beautiful blue painting on the cover the um second one was i'm so lucky and um i'm putting out uh another four before the end of the year and um I really wanted to do this project because I feel like affirmations have been maybe the number one thing that has helped me um, 
to just take up space and allow myself to try different things and really believe that I'm worthy to expand, etc. And so I wanted everyday people to open the journal and see like this really kind statement. And um, I, mm-hmm. I love journaling. So that was a project that just made sense to me. And I think that it's so interesting. And I'm so intrigued by manifestation in general, be- and also affirmations, just because I've really, I haven't practiced that for a while. But recently, as I've learned more about it, I've started to see the, the value that it could bring. So I want, I would love for you to explain your manifestation affirmation process to me. Okay. So every day when I'm not over, overworked or over, um, actually that's probably the best time to do it. But like, for example, this (laughs) week with like moving and stuff, it's been really difficult to create this time, but on a normal, like ideal day, I'll wake up and Mm -hmm. I'll do yoga just to like, sort of, I think that the mind and the body are really connected in the sense, like whatever you put in your body and you eat should in a sense be like medicine. And when you move your body, you're treating it with respect. And um, so in between doing yoga poses and um, just moving my body, I will say out loud affirmations. For example, like I'm my own personal cheerleader and I'll just try to make myself laugh and um, just get that good fun energy going. And I'll also talk to, you know, my angels, I call them, which is just basically like what I believe are like my spirit guides. And I'll, I'll say whatever I'm feeling and just try to create space for myself in that moment. Um, so that's like a daily thing that I try to keep up. And I will as well do like a weekly journal check-in where I'll talk about um, what went well this week. Um, who did I talk to this week and just sort of check in with myself. So that's sort of keeping like a good spiritual hygiene because I think the most important mm-hmm. thing about manifesting is letting go of the outcome and focusing instead on the process. Because I think when you're attached to something, it's sort of like when you're playing with a dog and you chase the dog, the dog's going to run away. But when you stop mm-hmm. chasing the dog, the dog will come to you. So I think it's important to keep your frequency high because you can only attract things that are on the same level as you, as well as just realize that in order to believe that you can have anything you have to release it first and I know that's sort of like a weird concept to think about like oh we have to let something go in order to have it but truly if you are forcing something you're basically sending out the message that you don't think that you can have something effortlessly oh my god did you guys see why I love having this podcast so much like this is the coolest shit and honestly it's beneficial to me too because I think you're just expanding mine and I'm sure other people's mindset with that that dog analogy is such a great way to to put it because it makes it so simple um and what I from what I understand what I really like about manifestation is it's so individual in a lot of ways um and it's really what you need for yourself which I think is a big reason why I'm not a very religious person is because I think it's so curated um and I think that I'm much more attracted to things that are based in and individuality and aren't so strict, which is why I, I think it's definitely meaningful. What you said about yoga, I'm, I keep telling myself, I'm like, oh, when I, when, right when I get to Berlin, I'm going to get into yoga. I'm going to start doing this and this and this, which is good, but it's also a bit problematic because as I'm traveling, I'm like, oh, I can't. I'm, I'm always somewhere. I can't start doing this now. But those, those types of habits are really a goal of mine, and I think it's a healthy goal if you, if you recognize that that could be something beneficial to you. So all those journals will be linked. They're on your website available for sale, right? So if, if you guys need something to help you get started, 
I think those are a great option. Thank you. Yeah. Finally, uh, as per usual, guys, I asked you on the Instagram for the podcast at cutthecameras.pod for some questions for Shayna and selected four to ask you. So these are just going to be like quick. Um, well, I say that, but the first one, uh, it's a bit deep. So as an artist, how do you feel about AI art and the, the growth of AI? I think it's amazing, to be honest. Like, even there was, like, some, there were some, um, there was these uh, fake Drake songs that came out, and Mm -hmm. did you listen to those, where they're able to, like, copy his, uh, his voice? I haven't listened to the Drake ones, but I've heard, I've heard some, like, stupid, stupid stuff, but it sounds realistic. Actually, Grimes has been really smart about it, and she's like, okay, now that we can copy voices, anyone that uses my voice you just have to give me 50% of the royalties if you make a song with my voice. And it's like, I think that we can't fight technology. I think we need to work with it. And I also think that there's always going to be a space for original artwork, you know, because what AI can't copy is the human experience, you know? But I think Mm -hmm. that it can be a great tool because essentially like what AI offers is just being a refined tool you know and i think it's great people who can't really draw can now draw and then they have like their own sort of um ideas behind it it's the same i think with you know the video advancing and things like that people who you know couldn't typically do art as far as like painting etc now they can do other mediums for example like video or screen printing you know what i'm saying absolutely i think that's a good way to think about it because other we can't stop yeah. it, you know. So you just have to work with it and um, work and find it. ways true. to be creative with it, you know. So true. I think that's a good way. I think that you just there kind of did shift my perspective because I think it's easy to be scared. But I said this before, where I think with every advancement advancement in technology, there is a period where everyone's like, "This is gonna ruin everything," and then it ends up just kind of being integrated into a normal normal human society Um, yeah exactly good way to look at it um another question someone asked is how does your creative energy differ when doing art for work versus for leisure well i don't really do art for work for example i don't really accept commissions or i don't Mm -hmm. yeah i think um whenever i do art it's always for leisure and then i just hope that people it'll resonate with people and they'll want to support what i'm doing But for example, I think instead I could use the example for YouTube. It's like I do set certain routines for myself to upload a video every week, or at least I try to. And I don't know if I necessarily can, you know, say that my YouTube videos are art, but it is something that's creative. And I think that a lot of times when we do set these sort of routines, we don't necessarily always want to show up every single day. Um, But I think that having those sort of... um, frames within frames around uh, our routines actually keeps us um, sort of consistent and it's important you know so for example if I'm making a painting or I'm making a song I think that there can be times where it's more joyful because I feel like it's first for me whereas sometimes with YouTube I am you know it can be for other people more do you know what I'm saying totally totally and I think I if I'm understanding correctly, this is something that I've had to take a step back and try and learn in the past year with my videos. I, for a while, had no issue with uploading once a week and finding ideas and turning it on for the camera, right? I felt like every time that I'd film, I, of course it's you, but I, I would be a little more animated and upbeat. And recently, as other things in my life have shifted and I've kind of lived in a transitional period, which has caused a lot of mixed feelings, 
I think I've had to say just to to be authentic and try and capture capture authenticity and hopefully that will resonate with people and it won't be so surface level anymore. So I think that that's been an interesting transition. And I think maybe for you, the fact that you don't really view your, your art as something you do for work and you just, you do it for yourself is why it works out and why so many people connect with it. Oh, thank you. I think with YouTube, what's, what I've always found sort of interesting about it and like strange is like, if you're posting a video every week, that's also, you know, during moments where, for example, what if you lose a loved one? You know what I mean? And but right. this is also things that aren't in your control. But this is also like your job and maybe you have sponsored videos and things like that. And it's like in any other field, eventually you would come back to work. But with YouTube, it's sort of weird because it's like it's also who you are. Um mm -hmm. so yeah, I think that that's I think as well, um there's a lot with YouTube that I think is out of the creator's hands. Um, so, and like I said, I hate authority. So even like the authority of what works on YouTube, I can't stand. Like, I hate having to make like an appealing thumbnail or like, do you know what I mean? Or like think yeah. of the titles because yeah. that is essentially like a sort of authority as well. And so I'll sometimes it's just like, make the stupidest title that I know people aren't going to click on, but it's like, it's <laughs> like, I just feel, I don't feel like, do you know what I mean? But you know, no, I think that that's such a good point. And it's, me too. I, I hate, because the thumbnail and the title are the first impression of your video, so there is a lot of thought, I think. But I, every single time I upload a video that I give in and I do like a Week in Italy vlog, <laughs> shots, coffee, and oh my god, it makes me so much less proud of the content. Yeah, but you I know talk about that, him. like... Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, you go ahead. Maybe it's for the best that you cut me off. I, I was gonna say, I talk about, I think you know Damon, Dominique. Yeah. I talk about him all the fucking time on this podcast. I can't get through a damn episode without mentioning him, but I think he does such a good... He's actually here right now. Damon, Damon, come on. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine he's Dude. like in the other room, would you die? Heart, heart drops. Oh my God. Are you okay. like a really big fan um, of him or something? <laughs> I like his stuff a lot. I think, I've, I think I've given off the impression that I'm like a huge fangirl, which I kind of hate, but you know what? I think it's good to recognize talented creators. Yeah. But anyway, I I think he does such a good job of um, creating like authentic titles that are that are attractive. So I think that that's somewhere I take inspiration from, where it's like you can do it. You're a good example of that too. You can have a successful YouTube channel being authentic, not not abiding by the structures. Thank you. I also think one thing about Damon has really inspired me a lot with just like his outlook on like business and even just in general, like posting videos, I think that he, he oftentimes will take long breaks to focus on other bigger projects. And um, I think we were talking one day about just like the grind of having to post every week. And I think he says something to me like, you know, that's not the winning game. You know what I mean? Like forcing yourself to post every day, whereas it's, you know, maybe better sometimes to take a break to focus on like a bigger, more ambitious project. And um, I think his way of always seeing big and being really supportive when I like talk to him about projects or ideas that I have I remember like at the beginning of the year we made we both made drawings of ourselves in like our highest power with like our different goals around ourselves and I was like oh I want this and that yeah. and he's like you should do it you could totally do it and he's always been like a very supportive um, and he lives in Paris too so it's been really cool yeah too. sure yeah um, he's somebody that I think is really think, inspiring too. Yeah, definitely. I, I obviously agree. You have to I have him on the no. podcast. Well, we'll see. I, I would love to. Would love to. Damon, if you're listening, hello. You know my <laughs> Instagram. Um, no, I I think a bigger picture that 
you've said a bunch on this podcast is creating for yourself. And I think that anytime that someone, like you said, Damon, taking a break, or you exploring multiple mediums, anytime that someone recognizes what they need to do to put out, or just to create something that is, is um, meaningful to them, translates really well to, to an audience. And I think that you can really tell regardless of if it's entertaining or not, when someone is doing something as a show and putting putting on a character. And I think that that is actually less, um, has less longevity than someone who is just, as they grow and change, so does whatever they're doing with them. And I think that that's what is long lasting, at least from what I've experienced on the internet. I think that's very true. Okay, second to last question, someone asked, do you feel that your personality differs when speaking French versus when speaking English? Oh, that's such a good question. I think that when I first started learning French, I would say 100%. Um, Something that I thought a lot about is, for example, I grew up in Florida by the beach. And so I think that I have this sort of almost like an LA type accent just because of the environment that I grew up in. And so I think that that can affect the way people perceive me, for example. Whereas in France, since I learned language as an adult, I was able to cultivate the um, sort of type of French that I wanted to speak. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Whereas like in Mm -hmm. the US growing up, I basically just took on the English that like my sister spoke and, you know, people in my town spoke, you know, and my intonation and I can't really change that, you know, even like vocal fry sometimes or yeah. Whereas like in French, I was able actually to watch certain YouTubers where like, I was like, I like the way that they speak French. Like they sound good when they speak French. And I was able to sort of create this sort of voice that I wanted to have in French. And I think that, um, I mean, I think there's always going to be things that don't translate. For example, in French, still, I don't always have perfect grammar. And so I think sometimes mm-hmm. you can sort of feel like a small child in a way. Like when you're talking to somebody yeah, that yeah. has like the perfect language, you will feel less intelligent in a sense when you can't express yourself mm-hmm. as well. Um, so I think that that can happen sometimes. Um, but other than that, I think that I'm able to my personality is sort of like leveled up over the years with both languages as far as like humor goes and the important things, you yeah. know? I think I have a lot that I can agree with there and a lot to say. My, first of all, my, my ex-boyfriend used to always say that I had a German alter ego, Wilhelm. When I would speak German. <laughs> he would speak both and I'd speak to him in English and he's like, okay, same person, but completely different, like, like fonts, like, <laughs> you know? Um, so I definitely agree with you where it's like, I, the people who I was hanging out with, I kind of only started to speak that language, like at a, at a later point in my life. So my identity in German is kind of, um, constricted to the last three years when I, when I started learning it. And it's not, not since I, you know, learned how to speak when I was one or two years old with English. Um, and the other thing you said, what'd you say? About being like a child um, sometimes, yeah. So I think that in I think that this doesn't translate to all like interactions. Like if I was having a legal or professional interaction in German, I probably wouldn't feel the same way. But something I've always said online is how much I actually appreciated the language barrier with um when I first moved to Germany when I was meeting German people, because a lot of my friendships are Germans who don't speak fluent English but speak a bit, and then I'm an English speaker who doesn't speak completely fluent German and we'd really have to meet in the middle. But what I appreciated about that is we'd have to kind of strip everything down that we wanted to say to like the most basic form. And I experienced a lot of ingenuity when living in the States 
and that was something that through language and just personality and I think that that eliminated so much of it just having to instead of sugarcoating everything you say or wrapping it up in some sort of like anti-intellectualism form of speech it was such a cool way just to like have a very raw real conversation with people and figure it out and even if you make the stupidest joke but you're trying they'll laugh and it's just like a cool cool way to connect with someone I think and I still think you can foster deep relationships with a limited vocabulary totally that's my opinion I guess the very last question which I actually feel like you've answered a million times throughout this entire episode but um I'll still ask is what advice would you have for people who aren't confident in their work or art I would say to just keep showing up consistently for yourself every day. I think that at first it's not going to come naturally. And I think that confidence is also something you have to cultivate. You know, it's something you have to work on through affirmations, for example. Like I always say out loud that I know what I bring to the table every day. And I'll say these affirmations around confidence. And I think that, you know... For example, um, I started this riff challenge with a guitar and I was talking about mm-hmm. how, um, yeah, like it's, a, I'm not great at the guitar yet. I'm pretty good, but like, you know, to actually post a reel every single day, yeah, I'm not that confident in it, but I'm doing it because that is the goal that I set for myself. And I think that around anything that you create, you can do the same. Like you don't have to feel confident. Being confident isn't a prerequisite to creating, you know? That can also, that that can be like a part of the process is like, I don't feel confident in this, but I'm going to just show up every day and try anyway. Being confident isn't a prerequisite to creating. I feel like there's so many one-liners that you said in here that I'm like, okay, I need to snip that and put it on the (laughs) podcast Instagram and say this and use it. Yeah. So much, so much insight. And I said at the beginning of this episode that Shana is one of the most interesting people that I follow. And I I would argue on the entire internet. Um, I think that you are seriously so cool. Thank you so much for coming on today and um i'm excited to see what you what you do in the coming weeks months etc oh my gosh it was a pleasure um i think what you're doing here is so cool talking to other creatives and yeah it's a beautiful example as well for other people you know who want to create community and actually have deep meaningful conversations so it was amazing and thank you so much for having me thank you it was amazing yeah thanks for being here and i will see you You guys, and the next episode next Wednesday. Goodbye. Bye.